Mike. I'm happy to be here. Blaze Bro is going to join me just for this hour. He's been busy on our airways while I've been away. Good morning, Blaze. What's up? Good morning. Good morning, Scott. Nice to see you back. Thanks, man. Thanks. How'd y'all, how'd y'all enjoy me not being anywhere around here? Man, it's it's really no different. Like I said, you've been a real laid back guy, so it's not like you you chirp a whole lot. So the vibe's been pretty much the same. I I gotta say, Lyndon, we we debunked it. Not a great Scott impression. I right. love you, Lynn. I love you, Lynn. You're my guy. But I mean, I I thought we took care of that before I even left. He I tried mean, it I again. Played y'all a clip, and it was horrendous. He tried it again. I'm 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 all for second chances. Uh, welcome into the show, everybody. We got a lot to get into this hour. Phone lines are open for you. Three three seven two six nine ten. 77. You can hit us up. You can tweet the show at ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Uh, so let me ask you something, Blaze. What did what did you do today to improve your legacy? I woke up on time because I went to bed late last night. So I, I, I'm really proud of myself. I'm here and I'm in a good mood. So that's my legacy. I mean, we're really early in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what did what did you do? So, Kevin Durant yesterday uh, evening tweeted, "Did you add to your legacy today? If so, what did you do?" Oh God! Um, and of course, I mean, considering he has over twenty million followers, there were tons of responses. I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. So it, he's obviously being sarcastic. You know what? I I I I'm I'm going to defend KD here. I've said this. We need. We need. When it comes to sports plays, we got to come up with a different word than legacy. I mean, this thing gets thrown around like it's just almost meaningless. Like it doesn't carry a lot of weight. I mean, legacy. I agree. Is everything, and I hate all these stupid debates of uh, legacy. The, the idea of a legacy game is is absurd. All right, your legacy isn't defined by a game. It's defined by a career. And all of these talking heads of, well, is his, what's his legacy? What's going to happen here? If he goes to this team, what will it do for his leg? Who knows? We'll see what happens when said player goes to said team in this dumb hypothetical debate. So, I, you know, Durant is so salty. And, you know, I know since he requested a trade away from Brooklyn, it's, it kind of put a – I don't want to say – it, it, it put – an anchor on free agency and that it kind of weighted it down. A lot of people were just waiting before they really hit the motor and just took off with it. And not to say that no deals have been done. They have. But it it kind of became like the story. And so you didn't have the huge start of free agency that you typically do in this guy and that guy. And, yeah, I get Zion signed a distinction. But anyone that's actually paid attention to the Pelicans knew that was happening. Yeah. You know, uh, and once Bradley Beal stayed in Washington, it was kind of like, yeah, let's 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 wait and see what happens with KD. And uh, and now people are still waiting and waiting, and who knows if or when anything's going to happen. But you know, I I prefer KD just being out in the open and being salty and being angry and being insecure and just yeah. I mean, I I, I thought it, if he had just been like, legacy is dumb. Why do people do it? I, I don't think that would have been as good a tweet as, did you add to your legacy today? If so, what did you do? I kind of like it, Blaze. I kind of like it. And I and I, I kind of think he's right in a sense because as far as he's concerned, his whole career, all he's ever done is prove it on the court. So I guess in his mind, it's kind of why are people think, talking about what, I've, what I'm doing as a player off the court? I've proven it time and time again what I can do to you. So I guess he's kind of tired of it. 
But at the end of the day, that's what all these guys like me and you and guys at ESPN, like Big Perk, that's what they're going to do. They're going to talk and they're going to try to bring him down. I'm not comparing you to Big Perk. I know how you feel about that. Kendrick Perkins. I know how you feel about Perk. Who at least followed through on his word that he was going to donate something. I was So my friend Chris Conner, who's been on the show plenty of times, he kind of got the Pelicans Twitter spaces going this season and it, it blew up, turned into a real big thing. And when Perk went on TV and was like, they should they should move the franchise or something, when Zion just, I don't know, was rehabbing in Portland, I, it wasn't like he said anything that hadn't been said by a talking head. But it was kind of like, I guess it was just like the final straw that broke the camel's back. Because the Pelicans were in the midst of playing good basketball. Like, there was a lot of positive mojo, which isn't something that's too common with the history of the franchise. Right. There were a lot of good things happening. And then, you know, some Pelicans fans are watching national TV and they're like, like really like that BS again, like right now with every, and they just went off and Perk to his credit, even though he has some horrific takes went in the Twitter spaces and all he did was just gaslight. I mean, he, he came on at first and he was like, kind of, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Just, he was patronizing everyone. It was like, Oh, did I ruffle some feathers? Y'all need to get over it. I'm not backing off of nothing. And they're all like, Kendrick, you don't like, to say like they should move, like let's look at, let's look at the financial side of things. Let's look at this. Right. Let's look at that. And he was just like, "Is this CNN? Like, what's going?" He just did not get what he was thinking. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and he's like, "Look, if Zion, you know, a bunch of superstars always leave here. They're like, without signing a next contract, they're like, whoever didn't sign their next contract, that was a superstar in New Orleans." Like, didn't sign that first big contract after the rookie deal. That was a star. And he said Lonzo Ball. And everyone's like, all right, that's, that's you know, that's that's enough. Let's Yeah. And he's like, look, if Zion signs, I'll donate whatever. And he did. And he, he, so he to his credit, he went on TV and did all that. But that I remember when all that stuff was, was birthed. But anyway, we're getting off track. Back to the legacy talk. You're right. It's KD is not going to be able to stop the current state of national – TV sports debate. Right. I mean, it's just going to be what it is. And 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 some of the discussions I enjoy. I I I enjoy some of the hype. Of, like there was one someone someone pointed out to me a week or so ago where people were like, if MJ and Magic played LeBron and Curry, I didn't mind that because like it's not it's not based on it's not based on anything that could actually happen. Right. So it's pure just debate. People comparing eras, like, that's fine. I get annoyed by the projections of, like, the legacy stuff. Like, yeah. whenever – if a guy's career's done, what's his legacy? Or what will – okay, that's that's good. Uh, if he goes to this team, what does it say about his – what does it say about his legacy right now that he wants out? What is it's like it, – Nothing. Because he what, – what does his tweet say about his legacy? It's absurd. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when Durant puts that out there, I I, I kind of dig it. I'm like, I like, I like that. Like – he, but despite his best efforts, he's never going to be able to slow down. In fact, anytime he does it, he's just throwing more gas on the fire. But I think he just, Durant's very much a, how do I say it? It's going to sound weird, Blaze, and maybe it'll, it'll make sense when I say it. He's very much a, I care a lot what everyone thinks, and I also don't give a bleep yeah. what anyone thinks. He's embracing it. He He's... He's kind of insecure, and yet he doesn't care about offending anyone. Yeah, which is kind of like 
state of politics in a lot of ways. Like it's kind of a reflection of 2022. We certain individuals with a huge platform teeter between I I I'm bothered by all of this, so I need to put it out there, but I also don't care what you're going to say about it, but I do kind of care. It's it's hard to explain, but that's that's to me Kevin Durant in a nutshell. Not the basketball player, the personality. It's a basketball player. Obviously, when he's healthy, he's, he's great. Right. I, I, don't, I don't like the whole legacy talking when you're talking about personality because people tried to do the same thing with Terrell Owens and his career, and he was called a cancer everywhere he went in the locker room. And people still talk about, you know, oh, what did his personality do with every team? How did that affect his life? He's still a Hall of Famer, so you can say what you want. It, he balled it, on the what, field. What it did was, I mean, the, and T.O. played at a time where that stuff was more... Um, face to face than rather Twitter. Well, yeah, and and it was uh, there weren't as many defenders of it. There were a lot more critics of it at the time. And he did say some pretty interesting <laughs> things during his career. What it did is it it just kept him off a of first ballot Hall of Fame, which he should have been. Right. And the writers, you know, just felt all sanctimonious and decided to put him in. I guess in his third year of eligibility, but. Uh, Jay emails. He says, I love it. Tired of all the legacy BS. He likes KD's tweet. So I guess it's early in the day. So what did you do yesterday to improve your legacy? What did I do yesterday? Let's see. Uh, I'm going to be honest, man. Not too much. Came in, did a show, wrote an article, worked out. I guess it's the usual routine. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm not big on the whole legacy there thing. There you go. I guess I'm not big on the legacy it, thing. It, 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 I was about to, about to bust you. I'm like, don't fall for it. I'm not you big almost on the legacy answered thing. it. You know, ESPN Live, you had the best ticket in, <coughs> the best ticket in sports. Albert Pujols. He's, he's near the tail end of his career. He still looks pretty good, man. No. No, you don't think? No. I'm thinking, I mean, he's not. No. Obviously, he's not all-star level, but. But he's in the All Star game. Yeah, you like a, you like you like that. You like you, him and Melky Cabrera getting in on the commissioner. I don't. I, I don't. I, it's 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 fine. Yeah, I mean he's a he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer for sure. So I guess it's it's okay. And I think the MLB recognizes, like you said, he's on the tail end of his career. So kind of a hoorah in a sense. Forty two, probably going on forty six. Yeah. Yeah. So forty two, according to some birth certificates. I, I mean, I, I like it. I, th- I think it's a cool gesture. Now, don't don't be throwing that out willy-nilly to just anybody who hasn't earned it, but, I mean, I, I like it for for those guys. Third all-time in extra base hits, and he hit one last night. People went crazy, and now he's going to be in the home run derby. Should he be in the home run? I mean, he's hit, what, six home runs this year? Seven? I mean, compared to the other guys who have who have earned that invitation, no. No. But he has no business. It, it's, you it's you, you want to throw the commissioner the the commissioner exception, commissioner gets two picks for the All Star game. All right, that, whatever, that's fine. You want to put him in? Okay, you you commissioner's probably going to go more of the sentimental note, right? But um, yeah, don't be surprised if he not. I mean, he's not going to do anything in the home run derby. Don't be surprised if he hits a home run in the game. Don't be surprised if they just throw him on like you know switch the balls to make sure he can jack right. him out. I remember when Cal Ripken was batting like a hundred. At the end of his career, not even known for power like Albert is, and boy, he jacked one in an All Star game, and it was, it was a great moment. But it was also like, this is maybe too great. Like, is this, yeah, is this happening right now? Um, but on the home yeah, run derby thing, he's participating in the home run derby. I mean, if he performs and he puts on a show, good. I, I guess, 
I mean, how would you feel if at the end of his telling career, if they invited Vince Carter to do the dunk contest? I don't think too many people would have wanted to see that towards the, the latter half of his career. Yeah, yeah. no, he, I mean, Carter would have just been taking jump shots. Yeah. Been like, don't think, don't think this is happening. What's interesting on a, on a serious note about this, though, uh, I'm Scott Bray, the That's Blaze Bro. It's the great Scott show. Luke Johnson. Saints beat writer going to join me in an hour. Blaze in studio with me this hour. Phone lines open, 337-269-1077. You can email us, scott at ESPNLafayette.com, and you can tweet the show at ESPNLafayette as well. Pujols is fifth all-time in career home runs. He needs a dozen more to pass A-Rod for fourth. Oh, wow. We do, like... There is something to people. Oh, Pete Alonso, you, you, the Mets. You want to win three straight? I'm like, I'd rather you not be in it. Yeah, guys have talked about how the Derby can disrupt their momentum a little bit in the season by the amount of swings they take, the power, its impact on the body. For a guy that's listed at 42, probably going on 46, this could the Derby keep Pujols from passing a Rod this season? I mean, at this rate, I don't know that he'll even. I don't even think he'd get 12 more. But it seems like if he comes up like one short or ties, I'm going to be like, eh, should have been in the Derby. Probably would have passed him. Yeah, I guess you would have to throw at me some some founding statistic that kind of shows the drop-off from from the home run derby to the end of the season in terms of home runs. But, I mean, like you said, I don't know if Pujols is – I still don't know if he has enough time to catch it. He would probably need another season before he can pass it. But who knows? I, hey, I'll tell you what, if it goes the other way – and he does hit those twelve plus home runs. Then we'll be talking about a different story. Uh, yeah, I think they'll just. It's uh, he's not going to win it. It's all just sentimental. Oh yeah, in there. Um, he hit one his six hundred eighty fifth homer last night, and on the uh, uh, on the way out gives Nelly a little double high five. I saw that. I saw Nelly that. from the Lou St. Louis. Talk about two St. Louis icons: Albert Pujols and Nelly. And Nelly looked like a little fangirl out there when he got that high five. He was excited, man. He was pumped. I mean, they love Pujols in St. Louis. Love Pujols. And him and Yachty doing their little thing and celebrating. And all. I'm, not, I'm not a Cardinals fan, but they have an extremely passionate fan base. They do. Uh, my brother-in-law, one of them, he grew up in Rolla, Missouri, and just it was all Cardinals. You start asking him, like, who's some of the best baseball players of all time? You realize, like, early into it, you're like, you're just naming Cardinals. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all you're naming here. Um, but, yeah, uh, heading into the the uh, the All-Star break coming up next week. Any surprises to you in Major League Baseball so far this season? Not really. I, it's about time that the Yankees – start dominating with the way they paid the way who's on that team and the amount of money that they've paid to get those guys so it's it's nice to see that that's finally come full circle and they they look really dominant you like the yankees that's your team not necessarily not necessarily it's just i like i like the collection of guys i'm a big aaron judge fan i like the stantons uh garrett cole i liked him whenever he was in houston so i like a lot of the guys who are there i know a lot of people probably got an issue with garrett cole because the astros just in general they hate everything astros now but uh, I like I like a lot of the guys who are on the Yankees. They um the Yanks are I know they've like lost three in a row or you know like five and five in their last ten whatever they're fine. They have outscored their opponents by a hundred and seventy six runs this season, like far and away the best in the league. Next on the list are the Dodgers at plus one fifty, and after that, it's 
maybe the Astros at 103. So the difference between one and third is 73 runs. It's, it's, I mean, that is, they, they have five, excuse me, they have 453 runs scored. And they've, they've only allowed 277. Like, they're, not only do they have the best record in the league by, you know, I think the Astros are maybe four games back. The Dodgers are five games back. Best overall record. But the Yankees are, they're just crushing it right now. They're dominant. They're definitely one of the one Which of the is just teams. annoying because it seems like a lot of times when the Mets are finally decent, and I know people are, oh, the Braves are coming. Okay, they probably are, whatever. Um, Mets are a postseason team this year for sure. It's just like the, 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 they're like, oh, yeah, give us some spotlight. And the Yankees are like, look at us, 61-26, and 26, all right? We have a, a winning percentage over 700, and we're outscoring everybody by a collective 176 runs. I don't know. The, the Yankees – the evil empire, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> it's like they kind of So are you a Mets guy? Yes, I'm a Mets fan. Yeah, yeah? Yes, I'm a Mets fan. All right. So, no, I'm not a, I'm not a Yankees fan. Oh, okay. There we go. The truth comes. I, sen- I sensed it a little bit. I sensed a little tension there. The, uh, the Yankees, the, I guess, most iconic franchise in, in Major League Baseball, if you want to put it that way. Tiger Woods, the most iconic golfer. Set the record straight when it came to his retirement and had some things to say about the guys on the Live Tour. The Open Championship in Scotland is happening. We're going to dig into that when we come back. Conference realignment. Nick Saban had some things to say about it. He had a proclamation. Oh, God. I mean, he's probably right. I mean, he is right. I mean, it's not even a big deal. Where all of this is heading uh, maybe get into a little Donovan Mitchell trade market talk. Adam Schefter's gift list. We've got a lot to dig into, everybody. Who says there's not plenty to chew on in July when it comes to the world of sports? We're doing it. I'm Scott. That's Blaze. We're right back right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with the chicken. Into the great Scott show. Make some noise if you're with me, everybody. Blaze Bro is in the house this hour. Luke Johnson, my boy, Saints beat writer, joining me at 8 15 this morning. The Open Championship 
the Claret Jug, St. Andrews in Scotland, the birthplace of golf, the site of the Open Championship this week, Tiger Woods, not favored or anything like that at 46. He's well past his best days, but, you know, everyone's still dreaming maybe after that car accident, could he do it again? Could he get another major? Yeah. Yeah. I remember the just a few a few years like two or three years ago, the Tiger is Tiger back talks and Well, when he won the <laughs> mas- when he won the Masters, that was and I guess was that twenty nineteen? Was it twenty nineteen or twenty that was incredible. Yeah. Like that was incredible. But then after the accident, you're like, Oh my god, like is he even gonna walk again? Right. Then he just kinda goes to tournaments, he starts out okay, but then it catches up with him because he has trouble walking. Um so no, I, I don't. I don't think he's going to win at St Andrews. Though, if his name is on the leaderboard, um, all of the golf media world will uh, salivate and love it. But there was rumors after a few golf pundits put it out there that he might retire after the Open Championship. Tiger yesterday. Uh, well, he set the record straight on that place. Who me retire? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'm not not not, not retiring. Um, am I not playing a full schedule? Yes, uh, that's I, I've told you guys that many times. Um, I'm, that's just my my reality. It, I, I don't like it, but I just have to accept it. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as retiring, and no. Um, but you know, this may be you know my my last chance. So I'll be playing at St Andrews with a chance mm-hmm. to compete at the highest level. Um, if it comes around and what five, six, seven, eight years time? Whatever the time frame is, who knows if uh, you know? I'll, to, I will be playing the game of golf at this level. I don't know. Um, so I, yeah, I I appreciate every every single moment, especially coming back here. And with regards to winning here on Sunday, uh, I need to get myself into that position and uh, and making sure as I said, I'm doing, doing all my homework, like make sure I do all the things I need to do to make sure that. Um, I put myself in there with a shadow going in that back nine on Sunday, and that's that's my responsibility, and hopefully I can do it. So he's he's still gunning for the top, but he also said, I also recognize this could be my last decent chance. I mean, you know, Tiger's Tiger. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's always going to draw the numbers. He's always going to be good for the growth of the game. Um, but is he ever going to win a major again? I don't, I don't think so. But I mean, what competitor is going to sit up there and and say, "Oh, I'm out of it. I don't have a chance." Nobody's going to sit up there and say that. And you know, of course, he's going to bet on himself. Yeah, and and I don't think a guy as competitive as him would actually believe it either. No, but there was that little added. I recognize, you know, my time. This could be the last decent shot. Like, it's a mixture of confidence and reality from Tiger. Yeah, you know, um, I dig it. He also called out. The guys on the live tour said, I disagree with it. I think what they've done is turn back, turn their back on what's allowed them to get to this position. Some players have never got a chance to even experience it. They've gone right from the amateur ranks right into the, that organization and never really had a chance to play out here. And what it feels like to play a tour schedule or play in some big events, some of these players may not even get a chance to play in major championships. That's a possibility since we don't know for sure yet. It's up to the championship bodies to make that determination that's, <clears throat> to Tiger's point, I've said it from the get-go. Like, the PGA Championship disinviting Greg Norman, who, you know, is 
the guy that's the like, ambassador and face of the Live Tour, whatever, after they offered Jack Nicholas and all kind of other people a ton of money. They had to settle for Greg Norman, who was asked not to attend the Open Championship festivities, not invited to the Celebration of Champions dinner and all that other stuff. Norman said it's petty. Woods backed the Open Championship and said, no, they're, you know, they're, they're, they have the right to do that. This will always, like, the Live Tour is just throwing out Buku money, so guys are going to go for it. Right. If you tell those guys that they can't play in majors or can't play in Augusta or can't play for the Claret Jug at the birthplace of golf this year at St. Andrews, that's when I think maybe, like, that's when the rubber meets the road. And until then, guys are going to defect from the PGA and go take the obscene amounts of money on the Live Tour that they're giving out right now. I don't know that the Live Tour is going to make it long term. I have no idea. But until that part of the game is at risk, I, I don't think you're going to see too much change other than maybe you wake up tomorrow and there's another big name that's going over there or a recognizable name that's leaving the PGA to go play at the Live. If all the majors got together and they were like, we're going to disinvite all of them and tell them they're not allowed, now you've got a pretty juicy story. But until then, I think it's kind of what we're seeing right now, Blaze. Yeah, and that's might that might be what it takes in order to get some of these guys to come back. But, I mean, Tiger talked about it. A lot of these young guys, they're coming up from the amateurs, and they're going straight to the live tour. They haven't had a chance to experience any of these major PGA events. And so, talked about the money. I mean, to a young guy, you flash money in his face. That's enough to get him defect. I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, some some golfers have a price. Some don't. Um, but, you know, some of the ones that don't, like Tiger or Rory, have already made quite a bit of money. Um, look, it is it is what it is. But when Tiger talks, it carries some more weight. Yeah. And so his comments, you know, people were interested to hear what he had to say. Um, and him saying, look, I think it's the right thing to keep Greg Norman out of here. A lot of people are going to, you know, I take like- what he says and, and listen a little more than when it's somebody that's, you know, kind of at the – the back end of the tour that anyone outside of the hardcore golf fans or those in the golfing world would know about or have heard about, you know? I like it. And, you know, Tiger's he's, clearly he's showing that he's extremely grateful to the PGA and to the, what the game has given him. And he had a fantastic career, and he's really grateful to that. And he kind of wants to show these guys that you shouldn't turn your back on a game that made you so big. So I like his comments, and good for him for standing up for it. And to his point, he's like, look – What's the incentive to like practice and play hard when some of these guys have tons of guaranteed money just to play? Right. Like, I get it. You get in the, the PGA Tour, you're going to get a check regardless of where you finish, but it's going to be considerably different based on where you finish. And some of the guys, they just have so much guaranteed money. And Tiger's point was like, what's the incentive to go out there and earn it in the dirt? I think was his quote. You're getting paid a lot of money up front. You play in a few events. You play 54 holes. You know, what? what's what's the incentive to go out and keep going? Um, he just, you know, for some of these guys, they're going to get a ton of money, and then what are they going to do? Um, so I, I thought Tiger made some good points there. I don't watch a ton of golf. I watch the majors, and uh, I'll be paying attention. And, look, I'm not going to watch when Tiger tees off at 9 a.m., tomorrow right um but sunday i'll be watching the open championship i want to i want to i like the the i like when there's drama on sunday at a major it does draw my interest and i hope we get that this sunday but 
as far as, you know, any of the majors saying we're not going to allow you guys in, it's easy to disinvite Greg Norman. He's not golfing anymore. Do these major championships want to leave out some of the best golfers in the world? Probably not because they they have something to sell as well. Exactly. So it's it's a slippery road. <laughs> Don't, you know, you got to toe the line because – when you start knocking out big names, Brooks Kefka was one that uh, Tiger had rattled off last night. And so you start uninviting guys like him. It's well, what's going to start bringing people to start watching the PGA again of guys like him aren't playing in, yeah. in the major events. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Charlie emails. He says, Scott and Blaze enjoying the golf talk. Has either of you watched any of the live tour? No, no, no. I, I don't care. Not at all. Never will really as I said, the only golf I watch are the majors. I'm not about to watch some 54-hole shotgun with all these weird team names they have. No. Uh, Saudi back. No, I, I have not, and I uh, have zero interest or inclination. And No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not, a big, I'm not a big watcher of golf. My friends have recently got into golf. We go shoot. I'm not, I'm not good at all. We go shoot around here and there, just mess around. But uh, I haven't been a whole... Haven't been really devoted to watching golf. I've watched Tiger. I watched, obviously, the 2019 whenever he won. Uh, so that was cool. But, no, I, I can't sit here and lie to you. The live tour, no. All right. Appreciate you listening, Charlie. Thanks for the uh, the kind words there. What did you do to improve your legacy today, Charlie? That's that's my question. That's the key question, that's, Charlie. That's my, that's my question. Um, shout out Kevin Durant. <laughs> I don't like him. But he's starting to do things that are making me kind of like him. Like, I don't like him. I didn't like the, the move to the Warriors. I couldn't stand it. it was okay. Just, it was bad. But So I don't, like, root for him when I see him playing. But then he does stuff like this, and I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like the guy. I don't know. I'm, he, he's getting me. Let's see, let's see where he ends up getting traded. Um, what did he say? He wants to go somewhere where there are two other all-stars. Yeah, that seems it to be It would be hilarious. Thing. What if he went to, like... I don't know. The Wizards. Like, well, they have Beal and they have Porzingis. And those are all, you know, what do we with the Charlotte? I mean, you know, LaMelo and, and Gordon Hayward's been an all-star before. There's two all-stars, you know. I, well, I could send him there. Honestly, I'm here for it. Humble him a little bit. Send him send him to a place that he's not that humble. he that he doesn't want to. I don't I don't yeah, I don't know that I don't know if that would humble yeah, him. I don't but. think that would work. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think I, I would love to see his reaction on Twitter though. That'd be I'd be here for it. Uh speaking of Twitter. Adam Schefter. So, would you agree that in terms of breaking news in the football world, he's like... He's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Ian Rappaport's second. I mean, Schefter yeah. is... I, I think there's a pretty big gap between him and Schefter, honestly. There was a Washington Post story about Schefter where he, I don't know, had a few quotes in there and revealed some of the things he does to build relationships and that he gives out, he sends out holiday gifts to okay. people. Either, either it was, he gives them out to coworkers, but also those sources that help him break some scoops. Um, chocolate, ties, what else? Scotch. There was one part of the article uh, that said he gives, he spent, one year he spent up to $16,000 in chocolates. I was like, man, that's that's a lot of chocolate. That's a lot of chocolate. I mean, one year, it's a lot. But maybe uh, to around 150 or so individuals, and you know, it, it was it was a little bit about how he 
um, could have been more sensitive when it came to certain topics that about perhaps domestic abuse or um, you know whether or or other things such as the Sean Watson case, how maybe he was just carrying water for the agents and and he even addressed it and he was like, yeah, you know, I I, I learned some lessons. He didn't like run from it. He's like, I should be more sensitive in certain areas and word things a certain way. But like I. This is just me, Blaze, and you can share your thoughts. I saw a lot of, like, this is really, really bad. Um, this is dangerous. It's bad for journalists. I'm like, Adam Schefter is not a journalist. Yeah. He breaks news. Would it be bad if a journalist who was writing, you know, like Peter King, who's always you know, carrying Goodell's jock, if if it was like Peter King sends out all of this candy and stuff every year or, or scotch or wine or ties to the front off. Yeah, I guess so. I, I could see where it was like if it was a legit beat writer or journalist or whoever that was constantly sending out gifts to everyone and had these really cush relationships. It's not what Adam Schefter does. He no. breaks news. Like uh, if he needs to build relationships to help break news and part of that is – being nice and sending gifts to sources, I got no problem with that. Yeah. A lot of the times these athletes have really private lives, and we as as consumers of football knowledge and information and in sports information as a whole, we want things to come out as soon as they happen. We want things fast. It's just how we are as a society, and that's how he stays on top of that. I have no issue with the $16,000 in chocolates. It's a lot of chocolate. I don't know what kind of chocolate he's buying. Or just the idea that, and, and he, by the way, he expenses all these uh, as business gifts uh, <laughs> on his taxes. Shout out Adam Schefter. Like Smart he's, I, I look, I think when you're good at something, people get turned. It's like the sports fans kind of turn on Schefter a little bit. I mean, he's kind of a weird guy, I guess. But they haven't done it to Woj yet. Yeah. Maybe that happens when you're the best at something, like, and you make one mistake, they, they all come for you. I feel like that was kind of what was happening with Schefter, and then he got a big contract. I think he's getting paid like $9 million, whatever. But I don't look at – I've never looked at Adam Schefter as a journalist. No, me neither. I've never looked at him – like, I think it's annoying when his – some of his tw- – or or a bad look when some of his tweets are clearly from an agent and it's a story that's not – Hey, this guy just signed a contract. That's, hey, this is what uh, Dalvin Cook's the victim of of extortion and this domestic abuse thing. And then a little note per his agent. Like, I think the word, I think certain things he does, I'm not defending him across the board, but as far as a gift list to to help him do his job, I don't understand what the fuss is about. There was an outcry on social media. This is really bad for the future of journalism. He's not a journalist. He's a newsbreaker. I think think once you define the difference between the two, it just, it changes that, right? I don't see it as a scandal. No, and I don't see what the big deal is either. I mean, you have to have some type of relationship. It can't just be, give me information when I need it. So if this is how he does it through chocolates, and I'm sure it's not just gifts. I'm sure he does have, you know, a deeper relationship with every one of the with every one of his sources on a certain level. So I'm sure it goes beyond just chocolates. But when you're just throwing out the money prices out there, yeah, it can sound bad. Yeah, I, I, I you know, leave him alone. Yeah, <laughs> leave him. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's all right, guys. Like let's, let's relax. People are gonna find anything relax. and everything to pick. I'm about sure Woj and Shams. You know, there, there's a way to. And, and if it's authentic, if he really is like friendly with his sources and he's and he knows them and. and 
come on, the guy's guy's good at his job. You don't have to like him, but you have yeah. to at least to acknowledge he's when it comes to NFL news breaking, he's he's the guy. He's the best. Uh, all right, let's uh, phone lines are open three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Let's head to the phone lines now. Good morning, welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning, Scott. Welcome back, man. What's happening, uh, Josh? Oh, nothing much, man. Uh, I was laughing the other day. I was on Twitter. I thought about you. I was watching Snow Like John talking about red beans and rice. That dude's hilarious, man. Devin is so dang. I don't even really know Devin. I know he's friends with Gerald, who I know, I think, um, you know, from, from KLFY, Mr. TikTok foodie celebrity. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Devin is, is that red beans and rice thing. Every Monday, I mean, he's built an audience. Every Monday, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I clamor for it. Uh, now, the reason why I call it was the, the Adam Schefter thing. Like, I could understand if Adam Schefter was out here, like, paying people's car notes or, like, buying people, like, you know, a timeshare or, like, a week in yeah, He didn't spend a million dollars on right. chocolate, guys. Yeah. One year yeah. he spent $16,000 on gifts, and to his credit, he was smart. He expensed it in his tax report, so. But, 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 but I feel like gifts is a strong word, man. It's chocolates. Yeah. You know, you give you give you give teachers chocolates for your kids for for Valentine's Day. You know, like <laughs> chocolate is not a big deal, man. Listen, if these people out there going like, man, I don't know if I want to release this information or not. And Adam, right, right. If he if he's if he's good, giving uh, to your point, diet, if he's giving them like you know cars or something, we're not talking about like salacious. You know, before there was nil. Oh, I heard this player got this from this school. Right, right. He got he didn't, he didn't, he's not giving people houses. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you would see, like, breaking news. Reggie Bush's Heisman stripped away. Coach gave him Godiva chocolates. I mean, you're not going <laughs> to... Yeah. The yeah. big deal. The one thing I will say, though, is I really believe if the man doesn't have a team of people who help him write his tweets in his media, he needs that help. Because, like, the Dwayne Haskins thing was pretty rough. It was like, awful. And, and, wrote, and, and in, yeah. in the article, he addressed, like, he didn't run from it. He's like, look, I, I yeah, I've, I've made mistakes. I need to work. I need to do better on certain areas. And, yeah, the Dwayne Haskins thing was really bad. And, um, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing was a bad look. And, that, like, there's, I'm not, I'm not defending any of that. But I, I think the reason I brought it up is I think that's, when I think that's whenever you're really good and you make mistakes, they start to come for you. Yeah, like if Woj ever sends out like a, a tweet that's in very poor taste, I mean, there's going to be this this hunt of oh, let's let's look at every bad thing he ever did or why let's let. I mean, when you're really good at your job, regardless of what it is, and you're in and you're in the spotlight, I think that's I think that's inevitably what happens. Um, and, and as soon as Woj has a misstep, if he does, a big one, that's just, ooh, that tweet is a really bad look, then I think the same thing will probably happen to him. But uh, they're the best for a reason, and I'm sure they, they have their yeah. ways of doing it. And I, I, just, I guess I was more taken back by people that were like, this is really bad for the future of journalism. Like, it's, he's not a journalist. Yeah. He's not. I thought that'd be a slap. I, I thought that'd be a slap in my face if I was a journalist. You know what I mean? Like if I was a guy who like dedicated my whole life to my craft of being an actual journalist, and a guy who and I'm not I don't, I'm not minimizing Adam Schefter, but like the TMZ Schefter's of making like, nine million dollars a year. He's he's doing he's doing okay. Woj yeah, is making a yeah. ton of money. Yeah, and so I, I think people need to chill out. But I will say this: the one thing one thing y'all were talking about earlier was was Tiger Woods. And I don't know why this struck a nerve with me, but like, Tiger's over here 
making it sound like these guys aren't loyal. And listen, whether I agree or disagree with these guys at all, they, they're trying to make money, and they're trying to set themselves up the future. You know, they're not Tiger Woods with their own clothing brands and almost, I'm sure he's almost a billionaire by now, if not a billionaire. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the last one who should be talking about loyalty on a grand scale and trying to talk about people being loyal. You know, Tiger Woods has had a rough history, so I kind of feel like that's a speck in my eye with a log in yours. But anyway, man, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I think if Tiger was talking about their personal lives and their marriages, then yes, <laughs> certainly. Uh, but he's just talking about golf. That's that's kind of my what a question I kind of had for you earlier. What as a, as a young, if you were in these young golfer shoes who are taking this live money, what, what would kind of your thoughts be if you see Tiger, obviously who's at the top of the spectrum and has all this money, kind of not say denouncing you, but looking down on you in a sense? Would would you I think, feel? I think I think if you get to a point where you've already made a decision, then you can't worry about any of that other stuff, right? Once you do it, there's no going. Once back. you cut that cord, that's it. Yeah. Um. I mean, it is messed up. I mean, that you got you do need to consider where the money's coming from. And on the flip side, if you dig deep enough, like I, I have more respect for the golfers that are like, yeah, I just did it for the money. Yeah, like don't give me this well schedule and like no, shut up. Like you did it for the money. Own it. Yeah, own it. Uh, you know, yeah, the money comes from some. You know that it is. I don't give me the PR spin of yeah. I get to create my own schedule. Like I hear like you know. Price and Dishon, bro. It's like, bro, you've won majors. Like, yeah. you you can you can't control your own schedule. You can sit some tournaments out. You're a pretty big name. Um, no, I think if I was in their shoes, which I would like to think I wouldn't be, but I, I have no <laughs> idea to. I, I I just I can't relate. You right. know what I'm saying? I can't relate. I mean, I don't get paid millions, and then suddenly, okay, we're going to give you an extra zero at the end of that if you play in these. Like, I, I can't re- I can't relate to that. I can sit here and say I would never do it, but I'm, I'll say that. I'd never do it, but I'm never going to be in that position, right. you know. Um, I think I think they're just worried about, I just hope I get to keep playing in the majors. I really think that's, that's what it's about. Uh, conference realignment. A lot of that happened when I was gone. Whole yes. bunch of that. We're going to dig into that a little bit and uh, UCLA's ridiculous statement that just made me laugh when it came to questions about, you know, are you concerned about the travel for some of these student athletes? We're getting into that next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott. That's Blaze. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Luke Johnson going to join me at eight fifteen this morning. We'll talk to the Saints beat writer about the Saints. We'll also talk about some <clears throat> television shows, maybe war movies. Luke, Marine veteran, we usually get into a number of things. Blaze Bro in the house with me this morning for the first hour. We've hit on the Home Run Derby, Albert Pujols, Kevin Durant calling out all the nonsensical legacy talk 
Adam Schefter, the Washington Post story, Tiger Woods, the Open Championship, conference realignment, UCLA and USC announcing they'd be joining the Big Ten. That happened while I was away, yeah. and um, it, it, you you hate it, Blaze. You hate it. I, I'm not a fan of it. It's like everybody just wants all of it, and it's it's not even. At first, I was thinking maybe I was I was ignorant. Maybe I was thinking that. Okay, everybody wants the chance to compete at the highest level, but now it's clearly about TV time and TV opportunities and deals and things of that nature. And the SEC and the Big Ten are two of, you know, the most popular conferences right now, and so everybody's just trying to hop on that train. And I don't like it. I think it's not good for college football. Let me, let me burst your bubble, my young friend. It was never about competing at the highest level. It was always and has always been about money. Uh, that's what it's about, and that's what it's always going to be about. That's just reality. Yeah. Now, Nick Saban, who's always uh, – I'll, I'll give old Nick this, because some people say as you get older, you kind of get stuck in your ways. Saban's never been stuck in his ways. He's always been able to evolve with college football. You know, goes from one thing to another. Goes from more power to more spread. He He's – He's never just sat there and been like, I'm just going to do it my way. He hasn't. Right. I mean, the guy years ago at, at, you know, 20, I think in 2015 was talking about White Claw and Seltzer and that being a big deal in the future. He was right. I mean, I don't drink it, but it's a big deal. <laughs> um, he said that mega conferences are the future in college football. He's not wrong. No. I mean, at some point, the SEC and the Big Ten is going to get to 20 teams. I don't know when, but that's just it's that's where it's heading. All, all this talk of, you know, well, it's bad, it's this, it's that, it's not geography-based anymore. I don't disagree with any of that stuff. I, I like the traditions. I like geography having a say in it all. I like all of that. Right. But it's it's gone. It was always kind of moving toward this the question is what's what's next for a lot of these conferences i mean the sun belt obviously is in is in is is a mid-major but for them to make the moves they did conference usa used to be looked at as kind of oh they're more of one of the the glamour mid-majors not anymore they lost schools the sun belt acquired some of them and now it's sitting there on life support whereas from a mid-major standpoint the sun belt's better but you got to look at all of these like it's all football based. Yeah. And then football is based on the money. The, some of the club sports, some of the other sports, some of the NCAA sports that are in the lower tier. I mean, what I don't know if USC has a lacrosse team, but like it's gonna be weird when they're having to fly to New Jersey to play Rutgers in conference play. Yeah. Like that's tough. And there is it is worth asking, you know, what about the student athletes? I mean, I, I know that it's never really been about that. It's been about money, but how much is too much? You, UCLA. This was this was funny. So Matt Brown, who um, is publisher for Extra Points, works out of Chicago, covers some sports. He said he reached out to UCLA to ask about travel logistics now that they're moving to the Big Ten, and that a school spokesperson sent him this statement on the matter. We are mindful that a mostly East Coast conference schedule would impact our student-athletes in other ways, such as travel time. 
but we intend to reduce any such burdens with creative scheduling and using increased athletics resources to provide faster and more efficient transportation options. We also anticipate our road game times to be at more friendly times for our West Coast family and fans, ensuring more viability for our storied programs. Um, Blaze, did, did provide faster and more efficient transportation options? You gonna get a super jet? Did they did they create a teleportation device? <laughs> yeah. Are they Nightcrawler? Like what? That's the most asinine thing. <laughs> Look, I'm sure you're going to do what you can as far as, okay, we're going to always schedule stuff as best we can so that it's home one week, road the next. Okay, duh. Yeah. But the line of more efficient transportation, are they, are, did I miss, is UCLA traveling to their games on trains? Like, did I miss it? I mean, you got planes and you got buses. Yeah. Pretty efficient already. I saw that. I was like, that's the that's when you just do, you read over your statement before you send it out. You when, don't you do, come on, man. And then he in the end he he deflects immediately back to the fans talking about how he's gonna try to see they're gonna try to get the games to where it's it's easier for their fans right. to watch it back on the West Coast. So you're you're immediately to me, you you ducked the question all the You didn't answer it very well, and then you you ducked it. You certainly didn't answer it well. You didn't you claimed that you had maybe hey. Maybe UCLA created. Maybe that's what this is about. Maybe this they're holding just, back on us. They're just they're they're gonna they're gonna be the first to unfold teleportation. I'm and here then, for it. And then they can be in whatever the hell conference and play wherever they want. Um, yeah, that's that's just that's just ridiculous. I mean, it, it, mega conferences is where it's heading. It is about football, and you can say, oh, well, you know, what about Kansas? I mean, their basketball team. What's gonna happen in the big guys? I got news for you. Kansas Jayhawk basketball, prestigious, just won the national title. Kansas football, pretty awful. Yeah. Kansas football makes more money for the school than Kansas basketball. Wow. I mean, as much as that you might think that's – it's a fact. So – Wow, that, that... – it, it, It's it, – you know, it is what it is, guys. And props to Missouri and, you know, some of the sc- – and Rutgers and these schools that got in these big conferences – for ge- geographical reasons, which was the reason 12 years ago when the conference realignment dominoes really started to fall, it was geography-based and cable TV. And, yeah. you know, Missouri, the reason Missouri was looked at as a more viable option in the SEC years ago instead of, say, Clemson or Florida State was because they didn't have the geography of Mizzou. The SEC wasn't in the state of Missouri. The SEC wasn't in the state of Texas. They were already in South Carolina and Florida. Yeah. Now, A&M, I get it. It was geography-based at the time, but it also, you know, they bring a lot of money and, and other things. So they they make, they're, they're a good fit. Mizzou got in for geography reasons only. Geography has nothing to do with it anymore. No. Um, that's pretty clear when it comes to conference realignment. Where, where do you, I mean, what's the next, where do you think the next domino drops, Blaze? Well, there's been rumors swirling around that there's four ACC teams looking to to join the SEC, and I think if that happens, that's when you see the full on the full blown merger of of a super conference there. But my whole thing is, you know, right now people talk about 
you know, clearly there's the SEC and the Big Ten, two of the most powerful conferences, and, oh, the SEC bias, I'm hearing it being thrown around all the time. Oh, you know, everybody wants to ride the SEC. But if you start building these 20-team conferences, you're going to have to play divisions. You're going to have to create divisions within these conferences. And not all 20 of these teams are going to be able to play each other in one season. So you essentially could have the same thing where there's just one dominant team in one division who's playing all these scrubs, and then you have all these other dominant teams on the other side of the division. I guess so. It, yeah, probably so. And it, to me, the ne- like a lot of people think that Clemson or Florida State or that that you know North Carolina those that'll be the next big shoe to drop. The problem, and it might be, but the problem with that and the ACC, who's sitting there like, oh God, is they lock themselves into a horrible. I've been reading a lot of Andy Staples lately, as as because he's he's in the know of this stuff. They locked themselves into a horrible, horrible, horrible TV deal. Yeah. Like, god-awful. And it, it, like, they they were worried when teams started to leave the ACC. And so, as a result for the Big Ten, that they all said, man, we want to stay together. Let's, let's give all of our TV rights to the conference and let them have their own thing. And the ACC network isn't very good anyway and they signed a contract through 2036 yes why would you sign a 20 i think they did this in 2016 so they locked themselves into a 20-year deal and two years into it clemson and florida they're like what the bleep did we do oh god what did what did we do this was a bad idea now i my my thing is if there was an out a, a good out in that contract, one of these schools would have already used it. Yeah, you don't think you don't think some of these conferences would take Clemson like that? Yeah, or even Florida State. Whenever they were, you know, Florida State is still a big sure. name. They're they're on Absolutely. the downwards, but they're no, still but a big name. Uh, I mean, even even schools like Virginia, like there are a number of North Carolina. Miami. There are a number of schools in the ACC that some of these conferences would take, and 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 at this point, those schools would leave. Yeah. Um. I I, I I'm not saying it's never going to happen. I'm just saying that contract, I'm sure lawyers have been looking at it a lot for these schools, and they have not found an out in it yet. One of them at some point is going to test the waters, but I just, I think they're in a tough spot. Um, I I believe that the next big shoe to drop really is Notre Dame. And Notre Dame isn't going to go anywhere unless... The college football playoff committee, which will now have more power at the table as these super conferences come together, convinced enough on the committee to say, you have to be in a conference to be in the college football playoff. And if that comes to be, then Notre Dame's going to have to go to the Big Ten or right. you know, or the SEC or whatever. I think the Big Ten would probably take them, and it would make more sense. I think that's the next big one. Now, as long as Notre Dame can keep being Notre Dame and they they have access to the college football playoff no matter what everyone's saying oh you think they're going to get in on this no i don't i don't i think i think conferences would love that you can you can say all you want you can hate on Notre Dame and they're overrated blah 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 they come with a tremendous amount of prestige cachet and money yeah and 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 you might hate them but let me tell you something. The super conferences would love to have that one. That would be a big, big catch. But as long as that fish has access to the college football playoff, it's it's staying in its own cove 
well, they for like, the time being. They like being able to do their own thing, and, and rightfully so. And so why would you kind of give up that freedom if you're not being forced to? But, I mean, Notre Dame, you said it. They might not be the flashiest in terms on the field in, in recent years. They have went to a couple CFPs, but obviously got dominated. But they're, they're still a standard. They're still pretty consistent. And what Brian Kelly built over there was a model consistency. And on top of that, the name itself, just Notre that's, Dame, that's it, it has prestige. It, it's the name and it's the money and it's, 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 the, it's everything that comes with it. Yeah. Um, whether they're overrated or not. And the thing is, Notre Dame's probably been a little overrated. The prob- but they've, they've, they've been really good lately. The problem is comparing them to Ohio State and Alabama and, and, and Clemson in football or Georgia or whatever of the last five, six, seven, eight years. And they haven't been, they've been like in the next tier, which is a really good tier, but yeah. that's been more their lane. And, as, and, and you know, because they're Notre Dame, it's, you know, they're like the Cowboys every year. It's this expectation that's too high for them to match and so people you know hate on it or say they're overrated and, and they're not necessarily wrong but um i think I, I i'm more interested in i think notre dame would be the next big one and if it's something out of the acc then i'm just i'm bringing dan lust i'm bringing attorneys on i'm like give, tell me how they tell because this this tv deal everything i've read is pretty hard to get out of and these schools made a really dumb mistake Entrusting ACC leadership to lock it in for 20 years. Well, and then last week, the ACC proposed a, uh, how they word that, a loose partnership with, and they put the word loose in quotations, a loose partnership with the Pac-12 yeah, just to try to, to salvage, themselves. yeah, to protect themselves from anybody leaving. But it's their TV schedule, their TV contract is hurting them there too because the Pac-12s ends in 2024, obviously, when UCLA, that's why UCLA and USC are going to be able to leave in 2024 and join the Big Ten. So their contract is ending with Fox Sports and with ESPN in 2024. But it's kind of, you know, we've talked about it. Theirs is still 2036. So it's holding them back from being able to create that partnership. And they're, they created a, a chain and ball on their own leg. They really <laughs> did. They really did. Um, it's what, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's, I I will always miss what it was but i have no denials or i don't know i i know where it's going yeah right you know i it's it's going to the mega conferences and it's just a matter of how long it takes to get there do you um, see a little more even balance or you just still think we'll see them the same teams dominating same every year teams dominating. yeah i'll have phil Steele on tomorrow the man phil Steele, who does the college football preview every year the most accurate, in-depth college football preview. He comes on with me every summer. He'll be on tomorrow morning in the 7 o'clock hour. I'll ask him about UL, the Sun Belt, LSU, and obviously conference realignment. We'll get his thoughts on that. This is ESPN 1420 on the AM, 1033 on the FM, KPEL Lafayette. That is Blaze Bro. We're going to let him depart here. Man, this has been fun. Thanks for coming in this morning. Always appreciate you having me on. Appreciate all of you guys listening. We got more coming your way. We've hit on Schefter, Legacy, Home Run Derbies, the Open Championship, Conference Realignment. A little Saints talk with my guy Luke Johnson, who joins me next right here on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken.
into the great Scott show on a Wednesday. Coming back on the airways with a bang today. Been a great hour plus on the radio, and it's about to get even greater because joining me now, friend of the program, friend of mine, Saints beat writer for the New Orleans Advocate slash Times Picayune. Check out all of it at NOLA.com. A U.S. Marine veteran, Luke Johnson, hanging out with us this morning. What's up, Luke? Good morning. What is uh, what is life like for a Saints beat writer in mid-July? You wake up at the crack of noon. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I woke you up this morning. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, actually, it's it's been uh, it's been kind of it, it, it's like I'm I'm. Uh, I'm doing all the stuff that people are, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be like trying to do in the pandemic. Like I'm getting up early and I'm exercising and I'm like, uh-huh. just like kind of in the house all day, just like, okay, what, what projects can I accomplish? And, uh, cause really I, I mean, there, there's nothing going on. Um, like from the time they were done with mini camp until right now, I've, I've spoken to exactly one saints, uh, adjacent person. And that was, Tyron Matthew at his football camp the other day. Um, this is like the time of year where they all go on vacation. They all get their last little bit of rest before the season starts. Cause in July 27th, I mean, we're literally two weeks away. Um, yeah, everything's going to, going to blow up and everybody's going to be impossibly busy for six, seven months. So get the rest in while you can right now. I'm like seeing some movies and theaters. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing like some light work and then, and then kind of just, Resting up and gearing up for for training camp to start in a couple of weeks. What uh, what movie did you see? Uh, I saw Thor Ragnarok or not Thor Ragnarok, but right. Thor Love and Thunder uh-huh. uh, Friday. A matinee, like that's I, that's I, what my life is like right now. I yeah. saw a matinee on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, I I saw a matinee as I same thing. I saw a matinee of Thor on Saturday. Um, I I didn't I hadn't seen I'd only seen the first one. I was went with you know. My wife and some friends. I don't know, Luke. It was uh, it was just kind of meh, right? Just eh, yeah. I, I, I'll give this. I I'll give this it. to it. it. They I'm went like, for I'm it. Like a huge, like, they went for I'm it. a huge Taika guy, though. Like okay. I, I'm a huge Taika guy. So like, I, I his his humor is like right up my alley. So I, enjoy, I really enjoyed it. There you go. There you go. Uh, they they went for it, but like I didn't see. Someone was like, "Well, you got to see Thor Ragnarok because then a lot of the stuff would make sense." I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." Probably so, but um, but yeah, I, you, you was, actually should you actually should watch Thor Ragnarok Rock because I, right. I think that's maybe like top two top two of the Marvel Marvel universe right there. It's like it's actually really good. good. Like first two Thor movies are kind of are kind of trash. I saw I the think, first one like opinion. twelve years ago, so I knew going into it. Like at some point, I mean, you and I talk. I mean, I, I try to keep up with like some of the better television shows, but I. At some point, you know, when I started having kids, I was like, I can't keep up with all these Marvel movies. I mean, I, I just don't. It's just there's so many. I would, I, if this had happened like when I was like in my teens and twenties, I would have just loved every second of it. But I, it's hard now. It's hard to keep up now. I don't know. I have some friends yeah, that no, like it, know the whole catalog, like start to finish. I'm like, I good for you. I watch, you know, I know, I know the X Men well because you know, that was a comic book I grew up on. So I. You know, some of the movies were good, some were bad. I think Logan's a masterpiece, although it's not exactly uh, the same tone as Thor: Love and Thunder. It's very different. But uh, I yeah, do maybe think don't it's a take the kids to see Logan. Yeah, no, no, don't don't want them. That's one I'll watch with the boy when he's much older. But you know, you you were, you were talking about the Saints and how there's the only Saint you've talked to is Tyra Matthew. But you know, you did you wrote a great piece. Folks can check it out. Uh, came out a few days ago about 
Tyron Matthew and the camp he held. And, you know, now that you've gotten a chance to talk to him a little bit, Luke, there was so much made about his return to New Orleans, which I said I think is the icing on the cake because I think he's a great football fit for the team, right? That's that's the inside of the cake, and it's good, and it's delicious. But all the icing is all of the other great sort of humanity stories to come out with it, you know, his past, his history being, you know, by his own admission, more mature and grown up now with a family coming back to the city. Like you've, you've detailed this story quite a bit. What's your favorite part of the icing side of the Tyron Matthews story to the Saints? I mean, I, I think the thing I keep coming back to with him and I, I referenced it in that story I wrote about the camp um, is uh he really is driving home this point that, that he is looking to make an impact here, like beyond being a very good football player for the saints. Like he, he really wants to use his platform, his visibility, his, his reputation as a, as a New Orleanian who's been through some struggles um, to, to really help people who are going through hard times here. Um, and, you know, of which there are many, right. This is, this is a, a tough place to grow up. Um you know, it, it, you know, especially there's there's just like some parts of town where it's it's really hard. Tired Matthew grew up in some some of those places, you know. Um, so I, I think uh, he's listen. He's he's full on committed to to being a like a, a very good football player. He is you know, someone who thinks about his legacy in those terms. Um, you know, I know for a fact that he's been working really really hard this off season. Um, and you know he wants to prove to a lot of people out there because there are some people out there questioning whether he's still got it. He's thirty years old, and you know he's he's a thirty year old five foot nine <laughs> NFL safety. You know there's there's people questioning whether he's still got it. And he's he's out to prove that he does. Um, but you know it's, it is really just as important to him that um, these kids out here see Tyron Matthew they know what he's been through they you know he can tell them what he's been through and he's and he's saying look I, look at me I'm you know he's he's shorter than some of the high school football kids who are out there running the running his camp and he's like I, yeah I've been in the NFL for a decade and um you know I've been through all this stuff and I'm still here and I'm you know I'm a pro bowler and you, know, you got my face in the back of your camp t-shirts um yeah I think that's it's important that he's he's taking that that really really active role in in the youth of this city because it, you know all it takes sometimes is just that that one person is just going to kind of give you an example and show you and give you something to believe in luke johnson our guest um <clears throat> a couple other saints notes alvin Kamara potential suspension any guesses as to when the team might learn are, are they just i know there was a report about you know he was bracing for something and then Kamara kind of made light of that report on social media but I mean, is this is this something that you think just drags deep into training camp? Uh, you know, I, I, I people ask me all the time. I'm like, I don't. I, mean, I think he'll probably be suspended at some point. But I, other than that, you know, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, at the very least, it's going to drag into training camp. Uh, like deep into training camp, his, his uh, court case is not even scheduled to be heard until I, I think mid to late August. Um, so. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely going to be no sort of NFL discipline coming down until after his his case is settled, um, and you know that might take a long time. I mean, I mean, for all I know, you know that thing might not get settled until December, you know, um, and and uh, you know this might be something that that he doesn't even have to deal with this year. Um, you just don't know. 
Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's probably like a little nugget of truth to, you know, six games being, being, uh, you know, what, what everybody's kind of anticipating here. Um, but nobody knows anything for sure. That's why you know, that, that report was hedged with bracing for six games because nobody knows anything. Um, and, you know, that's why Alvin Kamara called it out and said, you know, something about like, let me know when Jesus walks out of his tomb or something like that. I, I can't remember what it was, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just gonna, yeah, everybody's gonna have to wait and see. And, you know, we can ask about it all we want, but nobody knows anything and nobody's going to know anything until, you know, after this thing has been resolved legally. It's like you, you try to have educated guesses when it comes to this stuff, but as it pertains to Roger Goodell and how he, dole, and I know he, he, people will say, well, he's not the one doling out punishment. He still kind of gets the ultimate final say if he wants it. I know, I forget the, the, the woman's name who's, you know, technically it's her role, but I think everyone's point is, is still the same in that who knows, right? I mean, people talk about locker room dancing videos and, oh, let's find the Saints more and let's do this or dock a pick. Let's not punish the Steelers much. And, you know, Saints fans are, Luke. They, they feel like the league's out to get them or whatever. They're always bracing for the worst. I mean, Saints aside, if you look at the discipline across the board, uh, team to team, player to player, it, at best, I mean, an educated guess is, I guess it's harder than if you were going to, say, have an educated guess by a similar case perhaps in the NBA or the MLB because, you know, they're, they're, there's a little bit more consistency there maybe and maybe i'm just stuck in the moment with the nfl thing i mean my point is an educated guess i guess it's not there's not a whole lot of schooling for that education it's not like you have a master's in it it's just it's based on information but information that in the past has been anything but consistent if that makes sense yeah well and and i mean the nfl uh you know operates a lot of times by precedent right um yeah i think you can pretty much pretty much uh, take to the bank that a player who has a DUI is going to get a two or three game suspension. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, domestic abuse. um, Yeah. I I think you've seen the the cases where it's like six games or eight games. Um, But I I just don't think there's a ton of, a ton of precedent for this type of scenario. Um, Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's something if I could just dig back through the news archives of the NFL for the last, 30 years or so or 20 years or however long Goodell's been the commissioner. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, this is, this is a little bit different. So we're all just kind of taking what we believe to be, uh, you know, the, the amount of discipline the NFL is going to go with here. Um, you know, and yeah, I think there, because of that, there will certainly be an appeals process that actually takes some time. Right. Unlike a, you know, one of the DUI appeals, which players always do, and and it's almost never um, successful. You know, Deontay Hardy did it last year, basically knowing full well that um, that it wasn't going to be overturned. But like, he's just like, okay, let me just give my team an extra week to let some of these guys heal. <laughs> um, you know, I, we just we just don't know. That's that's the that's really where it needs to to start and stop. There is you go. is um, yeah, there's there's just so many different parts of this where where it's completely up in the air, and it's you know one thing's dependent on the next, and yada yada yada, and uh, you know it, it, we we're just assuming that at some point this year he's going to have to deal with some sort of 
suspension. Luke Johnson, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather at by, B-Y, by Luke Johnson is the Twitter handle. You can get all of his great content there. Two weeks from now when uh, camp gets underway and everyone's reported and they've got, you know, they're practicing. What in your mind, Luke, is is the number one storyline heading into Saints training camp? You know, I, I was I'm actually working on something uh, kind of along these lines right now. Um, and I think, to me, it's down between um, it's down between whether Dennis Allen can keep this thing going, right, and uh, and whether Jameis Winston is uh, is really the answer at quarterback. I, I, I think both of those are, are really, um, you know, one and one a in terms of of you know, something that we're going to be following throughout the course of the season and something that's going to be really not only crucial to the team's success of this season, but uh, in the coming seasons, right? Um, it, they made a, a really loud and clear statement when they hired Dennis Allen saying, we are prioritizing continuity and, and we don't want things to change here. Um, obviously, Dennis is familiar with the front office. He's familiar with how they do things. He's familiar with the staff. He's familiar with the roster. Um yeah, they didn't want somebody who's going to come in and be a disruptor, right? So they were like, okay, Dennis Allen, you are the, the best candidate on our team that we already have. Um, so you're going to get the keys. And I think there's yeah, there's some some really good parts of that for Dennis. Um, it's not like he's inhale, inheriting a a roster that that normal you know, new head coaches inherit, right? He's he's got a talented roster. He knows. He knows the front office. He's got a front office that's been in place for a long time, has had a lot of success. So it's like completely opposite of the situation he took over with the Raiders. Uh, but I think that also comes with a lot more pressure to produce right away. Um, and, you know, I think they're going to have to make a very quick decision um, on on whether Dennis Allen is, is the right guy to, to continue uh, carrying this franchise forward, right? I, I don't think he's going to be given this long runway. Um, you know, if, if they falter this year, if they falter next year, you know, I, I think yeah, that's, <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough to keep them around. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, I think that's, that's like that priority number one for me, really. And then, uh, number two, you know, Jameis, I, I think those, these two are kind of tied together. Um, but you know, obviously they went out and pursued a different quarterback this off season before they brought Jameis back. Um, I don't necessarily think that's that's this huge indictment against uh, against James Winston. Yeah, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, putting the really ridiculous, um, awful uh, you know, allegations against uh, Deshaun Watson aside for a moment. Um, if you're just considering him in a pure, in a pure football standpoint, he's you know I, I think probably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. If you if you have a chance at one of those guys, and yeah, it makes sense from a football standpoint to go pursue him. But you know, I, I think that that's that's a sign to me, even though it's not a, a huge indictment against Jameis that you know, they're not entirely sold on him. And uh, and you know, I don't I don't think he's given them reason to necessarily be entirely sold. You know, he's he's only played. Uh, in eight games total and with seven starts and sure. you know, only six of those starts went through, went to full completion. And, you know, they kind of, it's not like the games he was playing last year, he was out there just uh, swinging it and willing the team to victory. You know, they were kind of win- winning with other parts of their team and they, they were, 
you know, there's games where Jameis attempted 22, 23 passes, which is like 10 or 12 below the league average per game per quarterback. Um, so, you know, I, I think, um, I think he's got a lot to prove this year, right? Both to the Saints, to himself. Uh, you know, if he wants to sign one of those big quarterback contracts, he's got to show he can do it for 17 games and lead a team to the playoffs and you know, lead a team to a playoff run and be the reason they're doing that. Um, so I, I think those are those to me. You know, all the other questions I think are are questions or storylines are are uh, beside the point. Besides those two points. Right, those those two are the most important for the team this year. Everything kind of will fall into place one way or the other, based on the outcome of those two storylines. Luke Johnson, our guest. Last Saints question for you, Luke. Last year at this time, mid July, Saints most sports books, and this isn't. I'm not going to ask you who would you bet. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm, but well, I'll get to the point. There were there were you know plus thirty five hundred, right? Thirty five to one. This year they're fifty to one at this point in time at most sports books, and I understand that you know betting lines have to do with the books and how much money they think they can get off of it, and it's not always a direct reflection of what they think will happen. But if you read the lines enough, you can you can read into them a little bit and and get a feel for the expectation around the sports world of a team's chances or odds. Um, you know, 35 to one last year at this time, 50 to one. Now, considering last year, they were nine and eight. They had, you know, more starters through only 15 games than any team in NFL history injuries, the Dolphins COVID game, all these different starting quarterbacks. We could go on and on. I mean, they, 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 they had a lot of bad hands dealt to them last year. They, they still, you know, we're a, a, a Rams overtime loss in week 18 away from going to the playoffs. Are you surprised? And I, I, I get the Sean Payton aspect of it. I do. But are you surprised that their odds are even longer now than they were a year ago based on what unfolded last season? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I know you just, uh, you just qualified it, but I, yeah, I think – I think a lot of a lot of people are looking at what they did last season, in spite of all they dealt with, and they were like, "Wow, what a great coaching job by Sean Payton," which yeah, I think is is fair. Um, and I do think it's also fair to uh, to maybe not have as high expectations for a team in the first year under Dennis Allen because he's he's a little bit of a wild card. Uh, nobody knows really what to expect from him as a head coach. Um, so yeah. I think I understand to a degree when when expectations are a little bit lower for this team, um, just because there are so many things that are just like, well, if this happens and that happens and this happens, then you know, uh, you know, outcomes can be so wildly different. Like I, I would not be surprised to see this team win the NFC South title and make a deep playoff run. I mean, they're really talented. Um, but all that said. <laughs> uh, like I do think that this team is is being underrated, right? Like I get the lowered expectations, but I do think they are underrated because I and and underrated even compared to last year. I, I think they had some pretty obvious flaws going into last year. Yeah, uh, ones ones that were uh, exacerbated by um, by you know stuff that we could not have possibly foreseen, right? Um, yeah, they had a they had a, a weak receiver core going into last year before Michael Thomas was before we understood that he'd never play a game, right? Um, 
you know, I, I think uh, I think this year they're they're stronger. Uh, they're they're better top to bottom than they were a year ago. Um, so, you know, if things if things go their way a little bit more than they did last year, uh, and if Dennis Allen is is capable as a head coach, and if you know if Pete Carmichael is able to kind of keep this this Sean Payton offensive brilliance going, which you know the Saints are very confident that he will, um, then yeah. I, yeah, I think the I think the, the odds makers should be should be looking a little bit a little bit kinder at the Saints. But I just you know I, I understand that you know that's a lot of ifs and uh, you know if Michael Thomas is healthy, if yeah. Alvin Kamara yeah. you know um, you know is back to 2019, 2020 levels, whatever. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I do think that they're they're underrated uh, pretty much across the board. Like, and, I, you know, I, I think I'd be comfortable with them exceeding expectations. Absolutely. Like I, I, to be clear, everyone, I'm not suggesting that they should be, you know, nine to four. I don't think it should be like a top five Super Bowl betting favorite or anything like that. I just feel like 50 to one, considering last year it was 35 to one at this time. And there was, um, like you said, a lot, a, a lot of areas that were of grave concern. And my only question about it has been, you know, is that does Sean Payton have that big of an impact on the line? I was just, just surprised that it's 50 to, I, I'm thinking, you know, 30 to one, 25 to one, maybe 50 to one. I mean, people can do with that what they will. I'm not picking the Saints to win the Super Bowl, but like you, I think as far as that, ex, that national expectation goes, if you will, I'll put it that way. I think I think they'll surpass it. Uh, Luke Johnson is our guest at by Luke Johnson on Twitter. Uh, Luke and I always talk sports. We usually get into a little either war movies or television talk, but I don't want to spoil anything. I just know that when I had some time off, Luke, you know, at night when the kids were asleep, I was able to catch up on some stuff like got watch season three of Barry, watch season three of the boys. I just finished it yesterday. Um, Finished Stranger Things. I had watched the first seven, but you know the last two episodes, I guess, came out. You know, beginning of July. Got got through that. I won't spoil anything. I, I know you haven't seen those yet, but I know you watch at least two of those three. My thing is like, for the Stranger Things deal, it was like I had to like go on Twitter and like mute certain words and account. Like I did what I, I did the best I could to avoid spoilers. Like, how do you avoid spoilers? Being the, the, you know, I know you and your wife like to, to binge watch shows and check things out. How do you avoid all these spoilers with as much time as you have to spend online for your job? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Uh, I think I've actually, uh, I've, I've had some things spoiled already, so I don't know if I'm, if I'm even the right person to, to answer this. But I guess the, um, um, the way to do it is to just be uh, sometimes a comically unobservant person for uh, for somebody who's supposed to be knowing, uh, you know, who's supposed to be seeing everything and taking everything in and reporting on it. Um, it blows. It blows. Uh, my my wife's name is Chelsea. She's a like a culture reporter, so she's she's always in on all this stuff. Um, and it blows her mind sometimes that there's just like some things I'm completely unaware of that have been like part of the cultural zeitgeist for you know a, a full month. Right, and I'm like, what's that? Um, and it's you know, it's probably been uh, like floated across my Twitter screen uh, 
countless times have just completely have not picked up on it. So I think that helps, um, though maybe, maybe that's, that's wearing off because I have picked up a couple, especially with Stranger Things. Stranger Things, there's a lot of spoilers out there. So I think maybe a lot of, yeah, a lot of people in my, in my little Twitter bubble, uh, seem to love that show. It's, it's, there you go. You just have to be, I don't know what, what spoiler etiquette. It seems like it changes. Like, I never watched The Sopranos. And people are like, how could you never watch it? I'm like, by the time I had time to watch it, everyone had already seen it. I had heard all this stuff. Like, I just, right. it's, never, it's not going to happen. But, like, I don't get mad at someone who, I mean, it came on a long time ago. It's weird. It's like, you don't want to get something spoiled, like, right when it airs. But where else are people supposed to go, like, talk about it? You know, like, yeah, I don't, no, I don't, spoiler well, especially- social media has changed Spoiler etiquette. I like. I. I. I got so. One. I was like during Game of Thrones. Is you know, Rain is the the top show. I like got on. I had to get on Facebook to do something for work and like, like a show. I mean, an episode had just ended, and this person I went to college with, like, just right there on the timeline, right when I opened it up, and I was so mad at them, and they had no idea. But I'm like, can we just wait like a day? But now. I realize, you know what, I, I, that's just, I can't expect that. I mean, people are going to go interact and talk about it. You just have to, you have to have some kind of method like Luke of just trying your best to ignore everything other than just the work at hand. It's not, it's not a method, man. It's just with my, my brain is broken, I think. But I will say, though, that I think, uh, I think streaming uh, plays a part in that, too, especially like, like shows that release the entire season all at once. Uh-huh. Uh, because some people, some people want to watch it, want to watch it like you know one episode a week or something like that. Yeah, that's fine. But there's people out there who will watch an entire season of TV in like, like eighteen hours. Yeah. And then you gotta you gotta just avoid them, I guess, for <laughs> for the next the next couple of weeks while you while you like methodically make your way through a show. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that. I just you know it was the. I'll say this: the somebody just. I don't know. The stranger thing for the first time ever, like I didn't, it took me a few rounds of like going into like muting, not just accounts, but like certain phrases, certain words. And it was, there were still a few things showing up on the timeline. And finally, I think I had muted everything possible, but that was the first time in my life. I like put in work to not get spoiled, like as much as I possibly could. And I was like kind of annoyed by it, but I realized this is just where we're at now to your point, especially with streaming. So it's hard, but I don't know, man. I I I don't like I don't like the episodic way of watching things either. I I don't like the week to week. I like I like if a show's airing weekly, I like it to all air, and then then I'll kind of go watch it on my own time. But to do that, I gotta avoid the spoilers, you know. Yeah, you know, if they, we we were talking about this earlier this week, but uh, you know, it, Chelsea and I are watching The Office right now because she'd never seen it before. And, uh, you know, that's obviously like a show that, I, I mean, there's, yeah. I, I mean, gotta be like a couple hundred episodes for that. Right. And we're, we're like powering through like three or four a night. And she's just like remarked a couple of times about, you know, how there's some of these, some of these things when the show was airing every week on NBC, like it must've been such a huge payoff when, you know, in like season five, when something happens, you just like, Oh man, I've been waiting for that for five years. Yeah. You know, whereas we've been waiting for it for like a couple weeks. You know, <laughs> it's interesting. It's like, like it's it's totally changed. Uh, it's 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 how it people write shows. People consume TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. whatever. It's a good problem to have. We're spoiled. Um, I mean, I remember watching 
on bunny ears on TVs whenever I was young, just going through commercials. And I, this is the last point I'll make, and I'll tie it back into sports. Um, I was having a conversation last hour, and I was I was actually taking up for Adam Schefter a little bit because the Washington Post article about him giving out gifts to, you know, holiday gifts to some of his sources, not like cars or anything, but, you know, chocolates, whatever, a tie. And, and oh, this is really, really dangerous. And, and my thing was, like, I never, I don't think of Adam Schefter the way I think of you. Like, I don't think of Adam Schefter as a journalist. Like, he's a newsbreaker. It's, it's two different things. But I think, yeah. I think that, and, and I'm going somewhere with this as far as where our conversation was. I think back pre-streaming, like major streaming and podcasts and just sports everywhere, and ESPN was like the cable king. If you were a journalist and you got on PTI or, you know, the guys on, you know, around the horn, you were like a superstar, right? Like you were super, and it was because you were on TV. It wasn't just because, you know, I, I'm sorry, Tony Kornheiser. I mean, you were good, but it wasn't because of what you wrote in DC. It was because you were on ESPN every day. You became this giant star. Same with Michael Wilbon and any journalist they got on. And now, not to say that it doesn't, elevate their profile a ton right but the way we consume sports now has changed so much i feel like the woges and the shefters and the news breakers of the sports world they're now kind of the way you might have looked at people that were on around the horn 20 years ago like you know uh, jay mariotti you know he was on around the horn uh, woody page whatever this the elevating their i feel like now you see guys on TV all the time, and there's so many different places you can see it. It's not as big a deal as it was 20 years ago. I think like the Schefters and the, the Woges of the world, they are like they're they're kind of like the other guys were 20 years ago. And I don't I don't think I mean credit to them, they're good at their job. But I think it has to do with how we consume sports information now. The same way it's changed how we view TV and things like that. The way we can we can you know consume sports info, it's not as much about, you know, what the the journalists in Denver said, you know, about Tiger Woods on around the horn. It's oh my god at my fingertips, what did Woj, a Woj bomb. He just dropped this. And so how we consume sports media, I think is why, you know, newsbreakers nowadays make uh the good ones make a whole whole lot of money, Luke. Yeah, I would love to make Schefter's nine and a half million dollar salary, right? Good Lord. Uh, but he, I mean, he even, I mean, he's, he cut right to that point in that article. Uh, I read it yesterday too. And, um, you know, they were talking about like the possibility of like one of these like gambling sites poaching him, right? Um, you know, DraftKings or whatever. And, uh, and, yeah, it's like, well, is, is Schefter nearly as valuable there when he doesn't have the ESPN platform? He's not on TV 24 hours a day or whatever. And like it, literally his, his response to that, to the reporter who's asking him about it is, well, are they getting my Twitter feed as well? Yeah. You know, because uh, uh, yeah, that's that's probably more valuable than anything. I, I mean, the guy's got millions of followers on there on that platform. Um, and that's, that's as, as much as anything, I think Twitter is like, I, I really don't like going on Twitter a lot. I, you know, you got to avoid the spoilers, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but as far as, yeah, and I think it's kind of overblown, uh, in, in some respects, but like for, for some of these, you know, for, for people like Woj or Adam Schefter or like these huge accounts, I, I mean, that's, it's an extremely valuable tool. Um, 
and it, it has absolutely changed the game and as far as how people consume sports media. You know, people people will, will go hey, – people literally have, have Twitter open. I, I mean, I get it at the time when people are trying to watch a game on TV – and they're like tweeting at me. They're like, "Hey, stop, stop tweeting so fast! You're like, you know, you're ahead of the, the play." Right, right. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, I, you know it's, it's how it's how people consume sports and entertainment and everything now is is through social media channels. So That's the way it is, yeah, it's it's changing landscape. Luke Johnson has been our guest. Well, I see all these, you know, food people on Twitter, and I'm like, man, I mean, hashtag Luke eats pops or lukey wherever he is i'm like i remember back when that was a big thing i mean now you know i'm like i don't think luke wanted to get in the game where he's doing tiktok videos all the time of it but i remember when you were the foodie guy yeah yeah no i'm not gerald grunig i love gerald man those, those things those things are great and and devin the the the, the red beans and the rice, red beans and rice guy yeah, yeah i mean yeah. that's just great content um, speaking of great content, go check out Luke's stuff. Uh, follow him on Twitter at by Luke Johnson, by Luke Johnson, and especially with camp around the corner in two weeks, he and uh, all the crew over there at the Times PQ are going to be churning out tons of Saints content. You know how the fans are, Luke. They're always hungry for it. But I appreciate you taking the time, as always, my friend, and uh, looking forward to following your account and all your uh, content whenever camp starts and um, talking to you again in the future. In the meantime, you guys, and see, I, I've never seen the office either. So I, I kind of envy Chelsea a little bit. She gets to one day. I want to do it. I just, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. Yeah. I, I mean, it is a commitment, man. Uh, there's like 30 episode seasons and there's like nine of them. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll never be able to do it, but you know, it's one of those shows where I'm like, I've never seen it. And people are like, what? Like, uh, calm down. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's I got I got three kids. I've kind of missed it when it happened. I mean, I'm doing the best I can here. Eventually. Eventually, Scott. I have faith in you, man. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that, Luke. Luke Johnson has been our guest. All the best, brother. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure, dude. Talk to you soon. You got it. Great stuff. Always love talking to Luke. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, another thing that happened while I was on vacation, Baker Mayfield. In the NFC South to the Panthers for what a conditional fifth round pick? Man, he's like in a, he's like an NFT. I'll explain next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show final segment. Happy to be back on the airwaves. I'll be here this week, next week. A little more vacation after that, and then I am here. Uh, pretty much you stuck with me every morning, guys. I missed y'all. Thanks to Blaze Bro for coming in last hour. Luke Johnson, that conversation. Baker Mayfield got traded to the Panthers while I was out on vacation, and he is, you know, he's like an NFT. I think Darren Ravel tweeted yesterday one of those bored ape NFTs sold for $433,515 six months ago, and yesterday it sold for $51,010. Cleveland selected Baker number one overall and traded him to Carolina for a future fifth-round pick. And that fifth-round pick is probably still worth more than Baker Mayfield, and that $51,010 is still worth more than what that NFT is actually worth you ever buy one of those stars 
name it after someone, even though it really makes no sense and no one can really tell you one way or the other. Like Baker Mayfield isn't a star. He's Brian Hoyer with an attitude. He is a below average starting quarterback and a decent backup quarterback. He's a guy that helped win some games for the Browns by relying on a very strong run game when he did it. He's not a great player. He's not. He's not. I mean, is he better than Sam Darnold? Maybe. He's going to look weird in that Carolina uniform. I, I Look, is it anything new? I've never been a Baker Mayfield as a great starting NFL quarterback guy ever since the moment he was drafted until now, and he's done nothing to show me that I should get off of that take. Nothing. And he ain't going to do it in Carolina either. Tomorrow, Phil Steele, the man. You want to get a college football fix? Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is no other waste place to go than to right here tomorrow morning on the Great Scott Show, the great Phil Steele, the man behind 28 years of the best college football preview, the best prognosticator, the most accurate predictor when it comes to college football. He'll be on the airwaves tomorrow morning in the 7 o'clock hour, right here with me on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sports. Can't wait. Nick Sheremy will join me in the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to have some fun. Friday, Gus Kattengill working on some other guests as well. Happy to be back, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll catch you tomorrow, same time, same place. The Dan Patrick Show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed